Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I have with me a very special guest, Claire Ann Brown. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm well, thank you, Guy. How are you? Yeah, it's lovely to have you on my podcast to talk a little bit about something that is off my area of interest and the expertise. And that is, uh, that is interesting to me, but it wasn't in my my overall interests or hobbies or uh, intrigues. Um, <clears throat> it's talking about small businesses because I think during this uh, pandemic or pan-economic-demic, um, businesses are uh, dropping down like flies from the skies. They are swatted uh, one by one and there are businesses who that are essential in small in small communities that are no longer re receiving those services and getting the goods to be able to sustain themselves and they have to go to more remote places to get their their essentials and their basic needs actually provided for even even talking about food or being satiated like nourished and this is a this is particularly uh, bothering to me because this is a um, <clears throat> this uh, kind of a phenomenon phenomenon has uh, taken over the entire globe uh, it's never been this this grave since the, the economic downfall of 2008, I think. I'm not an economist or something like this, but I guess, I'm guessing it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty correct. So can you introduce yourself and the topic? <laughs> Thank you so much, Guy. Well, firstly, thank you so much for the opportunity of yeah. being on the show with you. You're welcome. It's fantastic <laughs> to be here. Um, Basically, I think so. I work as a small uh, as a small business uh, marketing and business coach, and I think one thing that I want to pick up that you mentioned was the two thousand and eight economic crash. And one thing that I want to highlight there is the biggest boom of entrepreneurship actually came out of that crash. A lot of people lost their jobs, and that's where people started their own businesses, and they grew it from there. So I think if if people actually look at what is happening in the world at the moment as an opportunity for possibly change or how they can adapt or um, how they can grow and take, take this as an opportunity to make something for themselves. It's all about that change of perception of going from, oh, this is something bad that has happened to us to how can I make this work for me? How can I adapt in my current environment mm. and create an opportunity for myself? Yeah. So you're an uh, economic coach, shall we say, for small businesses. Is that a fair description? Um, I wouldn't say an economic coach. It's, it's more about um, I focus more on people's mindsets and reframing things and looking at how they can how they can work and adapt in their current environment. 
Um, I leave economic economics to the economists. <laughs> yeah, just 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 for everybody's sanity and everybody's sake, I'll yes. leave it to the economists. But I'm, I'm there um, to the presenters. To help the presenters are not economists, so that's, uh, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a caveat. Yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> So let's try as a non-economic, uh, um, <clears throat> non-economic oriented uh, people to at <laughs> least talk about small businesses, talking about growth and how a small business can grow and be become even a monopoly in some senses. So let's open that discussion. Well, I think, um, like I said to you, that this has been a good opportunity for people to look at how they can adapt. And um, I will use a very unconventional example for this, where I've got a lot of friends that are dancers. So they, they have always been their own business. They're choreographers, they're teachers. And of course, when everybody went into lockdown, and this happened globally, it wasn't just in one specific place. When everybody went into lockdown, you couldn't go to a studio or a classroom to have a class. Mm. So they had to look at ways to adapt. And I know quite a few people that took their, their, uh, their dance schools online and have actually flourished and thrived during the past 12 to 18 months, that, yeah, that which is, has been a yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, be <laughs> dancing through the Zoom, it's yeah, it's uh, it's surreal, surreal for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's all about um, I, I suppose remaining adaptable, in order to I'm I'm going to use the word survive, but in order to survive, and, and make sure that, that you're going for yeah, survive and, and thrive. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> survive and thrive. Yeah, so people people seem to be shifting more from their their current careers and trying to adapt and uh, <clears throat> adapt and move into different different fields of work or or professions. It seems like so. Can you attest to that point on ground level? Shall we say? Yeah, well, um, I think I can use myself as an example. I my like, as I mentioned to you earlier on, I've got quite a, a, a variety or an eclectic background in the corporate world where I've always moved from a different industry to maybe a different, uh, different type of role within a company. Um, I've worked in retail, I've worked in marketing, sales, events, I've worked in HR, and I've recently started, well, last year, recently, last year, it seemed, it seems like so far, but so close. <laughs> um, I started a, a coaching it's business. A, in it's Oregon. a different dimension. It's, it's not last year. It's not moving through time. <laughs> it's moving through space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But is, I, th I think it's, um, <laughs> I think if, if you look at any job that is out there, 
there are particular transferable skills that, that you can take into another role. You don't have to necessarily stay in the same industry or the same, um, the same type of role because there'll always be something that, that you can take and tweak and adapt to the next role. So it's always good to have that mindset that if you need to, you can change it. I always believe that, that you have, you start with where you are now and you have the end in mind. So, so that is your why and that is your, your what is your end in the mind. The how you get there is, is what remains flexible because the how you get there will may change from day to day. Yeah, and I think why. having that, that. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah. to call you off. I just wanted to say that the, the why is one of the greatest questions in the universe because saying why something exists is it's the most difficult questions you can you can you can uh, oppose let's say because if you say why do we need a Starbucks and a McDonald's and a, I don't know a subway in every corner of the universe I have no idea why <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have so many branches of the same uh, franchises. I don't know why <laughs> I can't yeah. answer that, but clearly the creators and the, the uh, founders of those companies do know why. And it's an important question to ask at the end of the day. Well yeah, and, and I think, like, perfect example is Starbucks on every corner or a McDonald's on every corner or a Subway on every corner. It's convenience for for the end user. So if you can walk five minutes to go and get a coffee instead of walking 15 minutes to go and get a coffee, you'd rather do that. Yeah. And I, I suppose, with, with, yeah, you know, and um, so I suppose with, with the amount of competition out there and just making sure that they are within the vicinity of their competitors and making sure that they are the most convenient for their end user. That could be their why as to why they're doing it. Um, exposure, presence to the market. There, there could be so many different reasons as to why a company has chosen a specific strategy. Yeah, so can we talk a little bit about strategies and talking about trying to invest in your business, trying to get investors to, to lift your, your business up from, uh, I don't know, from, from being a mediocre family run mom and pop shops to being some, something a little bit more, I don't know, um, that has more a panache, that has a quality to it, it has a uniqueness that is that is specific to that that business and attracts the people that and the crowds that it wants to attract so can you speak a little to that <laughs> well i think i would say the first and most important thing that a business owner should be aware of or should assess is do they want to stay small and be the mom and pop on the corner, or do they want to scale their business and grow? Because sometimes the mom and pop store on the corner 
has that uniqueness that draws their clients in. It has that valuable relationship where people actually feel special. Whereas when you start scaling and you start growing and you start having a store in every street corner, it sometimes loses that. So it's always making sure that, that, that you're aware of the difference and that is what you really want. Um, with regards to scaling, I would say make sure that you have a good proper foundation first. I think sometimes what businesses tend to do is they have this big vision in mind, but they want to get there tomorrow. And then they haven't built the proper foundations or um, made sure that, that they've got the proper relationships and support from their, their customers. And then you start reading stats of like new businesses, for, for example, 20% of new businesses fell within, 20 to 30% of new businesses fell within the first year, 25% fell within the next year. But if people actually start with the end in mind and start building it up slowly, and that is what, what they're building towards, it's, it's all about the patience. And they, they need to understand that it doesn't need to be perfect now. It's about progressing to the next step as they go along. And if it takes you five years to get there, just be patient and you'll get there rather than trying to achieve it too quickly. Yeah, being a business owner, owner sorry, a lot of people don't know, don't notice or talk about it because I know managers, I've worked under managers, I've been uh, a mid-level ma managing positions and um <clears throat> and it's not it's not just knowing the product you're not just selling the product you have to learn a lot of things you have to get your feet wet let's let's uh, shall we say with in a lot of different different fields you have to be financially wise you have to be uh, marketing wise you have to be able to um <clears throat> to have uh, some sort of a, a publicist or some kind of company that will boost your business and will uh, uh increase your exposure it is it is a very tough and stressful job and uh businesses uh, fall by the sideways because there there are things that are not uh, coming into consideration when starting the business, you have to have all your ducks in a row before you start a business. So can you talk about what are the essentials of starting a, a new small business? <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'd say um, be aware that as a new sm small business owner, you're gonna wear a lot of hats and it's gonna be a lot of learning um, as, as you mentioned, you need to be aware of, firstly, the legalities and the insurances behind it. Um, also being aware of marketing to your customer. Who is your customer? What I actually do is I get people to sit down and write out, they give their customer a name, they give their customer an age. What are their likes and dislikes? What do they Google? What are their hobbies and interests? Just so that they can put a, a picture in mind of who they're actually selling to. Because there's no point in having a product if you don't actually know who you're selling to. And then it's also if you are doing 
if you're doing a service or an actual product, how are you actually going to distribute that? How are you going to market it to your audience? Um, how are you going to create awareness? How are you going to, and this, this is a big one, how are you going to bring value to your customer? Mm. That is a big one. And I think especially now, um, we're, we're, I don't know, I, I kind of see it that we're going back to the old of creating that valuable relationship with the customer. It's, it's not just about buying and selling over the counter or buying and selling online. It's, it's also creating that valuable relationship. And that's, that's where social media comes in quite handy because you can create that relationship with your customer on social media as well. It's, it's not like you're selling door to door anymore. And yeah, so, so, so that's a big connection. And it also gives you the opportunity to, to have a wider outreach. You can, you can, be global without being a massive corporation, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, global without the physical part, let's say. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. Yeah, um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about um, product marketing. Uh, what is the science behind attracting more eyes to your business as opposed to the the guy on the next block that is <laughs> that is a that has a bigger bigger sign and neon lights and a lot of people that that come to to greet the customers coming in and he has all those uh, panoramic screen screens and he has all those bells and whistles how can you compete with that guy that has been on your block for shall we say 30 years and you're the new, new guy the new fish in the pond a small fish in a in a small pond but you have a big shark in, in the in the pond um there's a lot of ways that that you could get around that there's ways um so for example you could come into the market and I'm, I'm going to say a few things here, but you could come into the market and you could be the cheapest within your competitor space. But then looking at that, you have to look at how long can you actually sustain that? How long can, will that actually help your business grow? Or you could come in, let's say mid-range and be the same price as everybody else. But then how do you make yourself stand out? And the same as if you come in more expensive or at the top price range, what value do you bring that you can justify charging that? Yes. <laughs> so I think with the last two that I've mentioned, value is a big thing. It is um, because that that's what, that's what basically sells your product at the end of the day. Unless you've got something that is a very niche product and you are the only one in the city or in the town that sells it, you will always have competitors. So it's looking at how you can bring value to your customer. Um, I still remember when, when I was studying marketing, one of the things that they always drilled into our heads was um, you need to create the need within your customer for their product. Mm -hmm. One of the more recent things that I've been learning is you need to understand who your customer is. 
they never taught us that in school or in when I, when I study marketing. They're always talking about, oh, you need to create a need. And I'm sure things have changed because I'm not going to give away my age, but I studied it a long time ago. But it's you, you need to understand who your customer is and you need to speak to that customer. And that's where that relationship building comes in and it's bringing that value to the customer. So I, I would yeah. say that that would be one of the, the biggest the biggest things mm-hmm. that you need to do. <laughs> yes, it's very it's very important because there is a there is a hook to everything, shall we say? Because a product that is good, it's just good. You have the simple golden arches of the McDonald's, and it it works. You don't have to have clowns and hamburglers and stuff like this. <laughs> uh, you you have the you have the iPhone design. You have the iPad. Let's see, and it. And nobody know that knows this, but it looks like an an old radio essentially. The iPad, it has all the the senior senior citizens, let's say, that are, go jogging, and you see those kinds of uh, radio <laughs> uh, radio designs. The the iPad is is a stolen design, shall we say, of a kind of a radio kind of old school radio even from the the second world war so <laughs> it is not a lot of people know this um the the let's let's say the prius the prius has some kind of the the car has some kind of distinct design it has a boxy messy design but and the the tesla failed in in many ways but the prius uh lingered on and survived and thrives because uh it has that i don't know it has that status of i am um i am a tree hugger i'm an environmentalist i care about the environment i am a good person in heart because i <laughs> so Um, how would someone, how would one come up with a, with a logo or a catchphrase or a design that is that great? The, the McDonald's, the, the Windows Microsoft design. How would one come up with such a thing? <laughs> um, so there, there's obviously a lot of psychology that goes into that with specifically with like, I mean, the, the colors that you choose. So for instance, blue would be more about trust. Yellow is also one that, that goes with trust. Um, they generally tell you to stay away from, from certain colors um, with, with regards to branding and logo. Um, but I think that that is also, when you're looking at your brand image, it's also good to look at the values of your business and do they align with you? So are, is, are you portraying your business values through your brand? Is it portrayed through the, the slogan that you use? Um, ensuring that, that your values are picked up by the, the, the target audience 
and that they align with who you are as well because th those values are what will build your brand online through social media as well. So your social media will be associated to that. Um, I suppose, yes, I agree. A, a lot of people will be like, oh, so if you if you look at the Nike Swish, you immediately think Nike Swish. If you look at the Golden Arches, you'll immediately think McDonald's. Um, but it's also what feelings or what emotions do those brands actually bring up within a person. So it's making sure that that whatever your your brand or your your logo or your slogan is portraying to the market, is that something that, that you're aligned with as a business owner as well, particularly if you're a small business owner, because you need to remember that you're wearing the many hats in there. You're working on on and in your in your business every single day. So at once you want it to be something that you're excited to wake up in the morning to go in and, and work on that specific business. So that, that's why it's, it's making sure that, that you have your values aligned within your brand and your business to make it exciting for you. Because you, you, you don't want to be sitting six months down the road and going, oh, I, I don't want to go in and work on this today. Please, no, no, no. You want to make sure that it's aligned with what you're doing. <laughs> and you want to make sure that it excites you. Um, and I think that that even goes for for big corporations as well. You you see a lot of big corporations talking about um, brand image and aligning with with their staff and stuff like that. So I think whether you're a small business owner or a big corporation, it's the values that actually come down to the nitty gritty of how do you portray to the market as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to thank you so much for this lovely and insightful talk. We have a lot of topics to cover, I think, further on the line. And uh, I want to thank you so much, Claire, for participating in my uh, podcast. <laughs> well, thank you, Guy. It was, it was lovely to talk to you. I tried not to get too excited and I tried not to wave the hands around too much because <laughs> I get very... <laughs> yeah. So... I gotta, Hopefully. I gotta tell yeah. you a secret also. Me too. <laughs> I'm trying to do that also. <laughs> okay. <There> we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you so much for watching and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>